he's retired, he's going to be serving churches uh, throughout the state, wherever he can be of an encouragement and a help, and uh, we might try to get on the same schedule. I, I appreciate, uh, uh, appreciate being able to follow a uh, good worship ministry like that. Thank you, Brother Sean, for being here. Uh, always good to be with you. Grateful for your ministry and your partnership in ministry, and uh, Shane, for your kind words of introduction. Likewise, uh, count you as a friend and and a brother in the Lord and grateful for the way you serve so many of our KBC churches and uh, thankful for your family and, and the way uh, you all uh, serve the Lord together. Uh, Mother Shane's wife and I are from the same part of the country, uh, over in the mountains, down in the southeastern part of the state, uh, on the state line. And, uh, but uh, this is, uh, this is a part of the country has become home to me. In fact, I was just down this way a couple weeks ago, lost a good rabbit hound uh, in one of the bottoms over by the... Uh, by the river and finally found uh, the, the old boy. He was, uh, uh, he was just a little too rambunctious, got a little too far out, but eventually uh, we made connection again, wasted a lot of good hours. We should have been hunting, looking for that dog, but uh, it is good to be with you today. Good to be with you during this season of the year, uh, celebrating the birth of our Lord and turning our attention to the nations and, and the need of... Uh, of the nations for the gospel. We know that same need exists in our nation, that same need exists in our state, that same need exists in this county and in this community, and that's why I'm glad uh, that this church is here. I'm thankful for all you're doing to share the gospel uh, here in this community. Thankful for all you're doing to share it across the state. In my role, I have the privilege of seeing of seeing a lot of that work. Maybe you don't know as as, as much about what happens with some of the gifts you give to the Lord as they leave uh, Younger's Creek, but, but, but I have the opportunity to receive some of that. And when you put your money in the offering a few moments ago, and by the way, let me say, this is a very generous missions-giving church, and I praise the Lord for that. If every church in the Kentucky Baptist Convention and the Southern Baptist Convention was as generous in their missions-giving as, as this church is, giving through the cooperative program, we would see a huge turnaround in the number of missionaries we'd be able to send out to the world. Uh, and so thank you uh, for that sacrificial giving. <clears throat> On behalf of 860 abused and neglected kids in this state who you are loving and providing a safe uh, home for uh, through our children's home, Sunrise Children's Services, or the Kentucky Baptist Homes for Children, I want to thank you. And one of those children is in our home. My wife, Michelle, and I have a little foster daughter, Lily, uh, who's five, and uh, she's from Sunrise, from our children's home, and, and so you're helping us love and provide a, a safe place for Lily to live, and, and I want to thank you on her behalf. I want to thank you on behalf of 50 new churches that are being funded across the state right now for making sure that there's a gospel witness in the communities of Kentucky. Uh, your generosity means that you, you're planting 50 more churches right now. You may not have known that, uh, but you are, and I praise the Lord for that. You've had disaster relief workers in Houston, uh, from Kentucky in Houston, from Kentucky in Puerto Rico, from Kentucky in the Virgin Islands, from Kentucky in Florida, and the hurricane-ravaged places of, of, of the world, uh, famine-stricken places in Africa, volunteers from a disaster relief family here in Kentucky, uh, serving overseas, and you, you've provided all of that as you put your money in the offering plate and partner with our other churches, and not to mention, of course, those 3,600 missionaries that, 
uh, that uh, Brother Shane mentioned earlier as we think about the Lottie Moon season of giving. Just so much that you're doing. And I praise the Lord for you. There's a lot more that I'd like to tell you about, uh, but I won't take time to do that. Uh, I, I want to turn our attention at this time to the Word of God, and I want to invite you to turn with me to Isaiah 56. Isaiah 56 is where we're reading from today. Just a very simple question that I don't want us to consider this morning. And the question may be the most basic. Why are we here? Why are we here? Why are you here at the church? Why do God's people come together? Uh, what is the purpose of God for Youngers Creek? What is the purpose of God for you if you're a member of this church? Why are you here? Isaiah 56, let me invite you to stand and honor the reading of God's Word. The Lord was speaking through the prophet Isaiah. Here's what we find, thus says the Lord. Keep justice and do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come and my righteousness will be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this, the son of man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give it in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to Him, to love the name of the Lord and to be His servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples or all the nations. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his word, and I invite you now to be seated. Again, a very simple question, why are we here? And as we look at this Old Testament passage, I want to propose some answers to that question. And the very first answer that I would propose to that question is we are here because of the people's plight. We are here because of the plight of the people. The Lord speaking through the prophet Isaiah was speaking uh, during uh, uh, somewhat of a difficult time for the Israelites, the Jewish people, His chosen people, the elect. It was difficult for them because the Lord was making it difficult for them because of the choices they had made. You see, the Lord's people had been straying from Him and they had been uh, acting unjustly and they had been worshiping idols, disregarding the Lord and the Lord's ways. And the Lord brought through the prophets warnings to the people saying, this is not the pathway I have for you. This is a pathway of destruction. I want you to come back to me. 
And the people did not listen to the prophets. And then again, God spoke to the prophets and warned them, you're going to suffer a judgment, discipline, if you don't turn back to me. Because you see, the Lord loves us so much that He won't simply let us walk headlong into destruction without doing everything that He can to extend His love and His mercy and His grace, even His hand of discipline, to pull us back to right relationship with Him where there is, instead of destruction, there is life and there is joy and there is peace and there is hope. And yet the people kept going in that wrong direction. And so God did what He said He would do. He brought judgment upon the people and, and the people were overrun by their enemies and the temple was destroyed and the people were, many of them, taken off into exile into other lands to become slaves and and finally, it seems that the people were waking up. Didn't God say He wanted better for us than this? And they began to turn back to the Lord. And in turning back to the Lord, they began to experience a, a, a new a, a freshness, a newness in their relationship with Him, and, a, and, and something of a new lease on life. And, and, and that's where God is speaking and what situation he's speaking into here in Isaiah 56. Many of the people have returned from exile and, and, and things are, are looking up finally for the people. God is extending a hand of mercy. And then the Lord speaks to them about an even greater hope. His promise of salvation. And so that's where we read in verse 1. Keep justice, do righteousness, soon my salvation will come. My righteousness will be, delivered, will be revealed. Blessed is the man who, who does this. And so the Lord speaks uh, again to the Jews, to the Israelites, to His own people. And He says, His salvation is coming. Things indeed are going to get better. And we know that in the context of, of the book of the prophet Isaiah, the Lord has spoken so many times already and will continue to speak of the coming Savior, the, the, the Messiah, Jesus, who would come to set people free from their sin and provide salvation for all who would trust in Him. And so, the Lord's people hear a good word here. And they are encouraged because their plight has been miserable. Due to their own sin, but miserable. And yet, apparently, there are others who are listening in. And so we hear them referenced in verse 3 the foreigner. Let not the foreigners join himself. The Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And so, the, so the foreigner who's, who's a believer in the Lord, but who's not an, a Jew, not an Israelite, not, 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 not one of the elect, the foreigner is listening to God speak a good word through the prophet to his people. And the foreigner says, What about me? What about us? Is there a good word from us? We, we always seem to be separated from the Lord's people. There are places in the temple even that we can't go because we're, we're not Israelites by birth. We're not Jews. And so, so does God have good news for us who are, uh, who are further away from the Lord? And then there's another group. We read it in verse 4. Or excuse me, the end of verse 3. Let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. Now the eunuch, uh, eunuchs typically were slaves. 
they weren't eunuch by choice, they were eunuch by force. And so uh, a slave was turned into a eunuch, typically to serve maybe the royal family, not be a threat to the ladies in, in the home. And, and so, so imagine the plight of, of, of a slave who doesn't even have a family and can't have a family. And so, and so here's the lowest of the low and, and the furthest of the far away. And, and the eunuch is listening to these good words of hope spoken to the Lord's people. And the eunuch is saying, but what about me? Might there be a word of hope for a slave, for the most hopeless? There's never any good news for me. Is there any good news for me? And the plight of a slave is something that you and I you know, couldn't identify with. I gained just a little bit of insight into into the pain, the tragedy of it. A few years ago, I was visiting some of your missionaries in West Africa. We had been doing some work in Dakar, Senegal, which is right on the coast. And, and we had an afternoon free, and one of the missionaries asked if we would like to, uh, to do some sightseeing. And he took us out, took us out to a place uh, called Gore Island. I don't know if you've ever visited Gore Island, if you know about Gore Island, but Gore Island is, is famous in history uh, for being such, a, such an integral part of the, the slave trade in West Africa. The French settled Gore Island and they established their headquarters there. Uh, and, and, and the slaves coming out of West Africa who were been you know, kidnapped from their homes, their families, their villages, or, or, or sold by, uh, by uh, family members or, or whatever the circumstances, the slaves would be brought to the island and there they would be bought and sold by the by the European slave traders, and from there taken to points of uh, destination, typically North or South America, but maybe some other places in the world to live their lives as slaves. And, and so the, much of the island has been, has been preserved in something of its original form during the height of the colonial slave period, 1700s, early 1800s, and and so we're touring the island, and we come to this one uh, particular uh, a building, and we go in through a, a, a gated courtyard and, and find ourselves standing uh, here uh, just beneath a balcony, almost like this balcony, maybe not hardly as high as the balcony in the back, much smaller. Uh, there were two stairwells that went up and, and just a, almost a little porch there for a balcony. And, and, and just underneath the balcony was this little semicircle made of stone, um, maybe just you know about this size here, um, a little bigger than the front of the stage, and and the guide who was showing us around explained to us that th this is the auction house and that's the auction ring. And just looking around at what I was seeing, it took me back to my days as a as a boy, uh, Miss Garrison. Uh, uh, on Saturday mornings. Dad would, would get my two brothers and I up, up early and, and put us in his old farm truck and we'd make our way to London, Kentucky, to the auction. And I don't know if you've ever been to auction, probably several of you in this room have been to the auction before, but uh, you know, for, for a boy, auction was a fun place to be. I mean, we, uh, we would see the cows and the horses and the goats and 
And the pigs come through the auction ring and everybody's sitting up in the stands on the bleachers and the auctioneer's doing his work and singing his song and all the, the farmers are bidding and we're watching dad seeing, you know, what, 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 what we get to take home. And it was just a, a, a fun day. And yet standing here you know, on Gore Island in this auction ring, I had such a different feeling. A place where human beings were, were bought and sold. And we stepped beyond the auction ring and there was a, a doorway sort of like this one and, and you walk through it, it was a very narrow dark hallway and, and we came to a room on our left and chiseled in stone above the door Entering into that room was the French word for men, and we were told this is where the, the men, the males, were held before they were taken in the auction ring to be sold. And we took a few more steps down the hallway, and there was another doorway, another small room there, and, and chiseled in the stone above that doorway was the French word for women. And this is where the females were held before they were uh, sold as slaves. And then we came to a third doorway and chiseled in the stone above that doorway was Leon Fonts. It's a French word for children. And this is where the children were held. And the guide explained to us that this was all very intentional. There were three separate rooms, but it was not just that they divided the men from the women and the men and women from the children. They, they divided the family Units, in a sense, that, that he said, you know, they, they would never sell a man to a buyer and then sell, as best they could tell, the man's wife to the same buyer. And they would never sell the children to the same buyer as, as their mother or their father. And so they ripped the family unit apart. And the reason being that they had discovered that a man is not a good slave when he sees what slavery means for his wife and his children. And so you, you don't keep that family unit together or, or that man is going to end up killing somebody or trying to get, kill somebody or, or you're going to lose your investment in him because you're going to have to kill him. And the same of a woman. No woman's going to watch what slavery means for her children. And simply stand by and, and say and do nothing. Can you imagine moms and dads? Can, can you imagine what all of that felt like? The pain, the horror of slavery. Physically we can't. But spiritually, there's a sense in which we're all slaves. In fact, the Bible uses that very language. Because the Bible says that the one who sins is a slave to sin. And the Bible also goes on to say in the book of Romans that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so all have been enslaved to sin because to sin is to be a slave to sin, and all have sinned. And so there's a sense in which, spiritually speaking, we are all enslaved by, by our sin. And, and the wages of sin, 
Scripture says is death. And so spiritually speaking, that is the plight of every man and woman, of every boy and girl who has sinned. It is the plight of a slave. Now we, we, we don't have the kind of uh, slavery that still exists in many places of the world uh, here in the United States in terms of people in physical bondage. We, 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 we do have our problem with, with human trafficking and sex slavery and, uh, and the horrors of all of that. But, but, but what we very much have, in fact, in this very community, in this county, in, in, in our state, in our country, is a, a prevalent slavery, spiritually speaking. Because all around us there are people who are enslaved. They are enslaved by greed, and they are enslaved uh, by, uh, by lust, and they are enslaved by addiction, and they are enslaved by a gossiping tongue. And we, we, we're, we're slaves to our sin unless we have been set free, unless we have been liberated, unless we have been bought and then granted release in Christ. And that release only comes through Christ. Through the hope of His gospel. And church, that's why you're here. Because all around us there are people who remain enslaved. And who are destined to spend eternity separated from God and everything that is good. He's the source of love and of hope and of comfort and forgiveness and of joy. And you take all of that away and what remains is hell. And yet Jesus brings freedom and liberation and hope. And that's why we're here. Because of the plight of the people. We're also here because of the promises of God. And to share those promises of God. We see some of those promises uh, being spoken aloud as you continue looking. We won't reread the entire uh, passage here, but let me, let, let me, let me reference some things. Uh, first, in verse 4, there are promises that are spoken for the eunuch. For the eunuch who keeps the Sabbath and chooses the things that please me, holds fast my covenant. Verse 5, he says, I will give in my house and within my walls a name better than sons and daughters. Now think about that. One who is a slave, who has no family, is told, now I'm going to give you a place in my family and I'm going to give you a name, a monument in your honor. It's going to be better than my own sons and daughters get. So there's going to be, there's going to be elevation here. There's going to be... Uh, adoption here. I'll give them an everlasting name. It shall not be cut off. Isn't that beautiful? The hopeless of the hopeless, the outcast of the outcast, the one is furthest away. The Lord says, I'm going to bring you into my family, into my home, and I'm going to give you a place of honor. That's the way the Lord is, and He's good, isn't He? Weren't you far off one time? Weren't you lost in your sin? Weren't you hopeless? And yet now here you are with the Lord's people. And those of you who have trusted Christ, your name's written in the Lamb's book of life and you've got the promise of being in His presence for all eternity. Isn't He good? A good word for the foreigners. 
Those who, who love Him, join themselves to Him, as we, we read about in verse 6. And here's the promises in verse 7. I'll bring them to my holy mountain. I'll make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings, their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. They, because you were foreigners, you always felt you weren't accepted. You always kept separate from the Lord's people. Certain places you couldn't go, things you couldn't do, but not anymore. You're going to be brought right in. In fact, <laughs> I love this. I'm going to rename the house after you. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. In the Hebrew, it's the same word for foreigners or nations. And so my house, the Lord says, my house will be called a house of prayer for all the peoples or all the nations. I'm renaming the house after you. Isn't that beautiful? We all need to be included, don't we? We all need a, a father who will love us. A family. We all need to know we've got a place. That we're not outside and outcast, but but to are welcomed in. I mentioned our little foster daughter, uh, Lily. She, she actually has an older sister. Her older sister is not with us. Uh, she's not able to be in a foster family setting. She's, uh, she, she's 14 years old, had endured many years of abuse and neglect, and uh, just, just, just isn't able to deal with a, with a lot of things at this point, and uh, she's in like a group home setting, and we, we hope that she gets well enough to, to be in a family setting, but she just can't right now. Um, my wife often, you know, will go get her on Saturday or Sunday, take her shopping or to the movies or uh, just to get her out. Sometimes she comes over to our home to visit with her little sister, little half-sister, Lily. And they were together. She was with us visiting one evening some, some time back. And, and she was seated. We were having dinner together. She was seated just to my left at the dinner table. And just out of the blue, she looked over at me and, and she said, Do you know why I'm glad Lily is here? I, I, no, I, I didn't know. And so I said, No, honey, why, why are you glad Lily's here? She said, I'm glad Lily's here because Lily has a daddy. Lily's never had a daddy. And that, that touched me deeply. And, it, and it's true. And Lily was three when she came to us, and she's five now. And for the first time, she has a, has a daddy in her life. But I thought about it later, and it touched me even more deeply because... You know, Lily's sister, who's saying this, who's 14, uh, she doesn't have a daddy either. Her dad died of a drug overdose. She doesn't even live in, with a family. She's in a group home. And yet she's so happy that her little sister has what she doesn't have. A father in her life. Every little girl needs a daddy, doesn't she? Every little boy... We all need a family. That's what the Lord promises. You've got a place. You're welcome. You'll be honored. You'll be accepted. 
You've got a family. That's what the Lord promises to any and all, even those farthest away who would turn to him, who would trust him. His promises are good, aren't they? And that's why we're here. Because there's a lot of people still out there. And they don't know how good He is. And they don't know about His promises. And they don't know they can have a place in His family. And that's why we're here. We're here because of the people's plight. We're here because of the promises of God. And we're here to show them the way to God. Last verse I read was there in verse 8. and Let me just reread this verse. This is an important verse for me, probably for just about everybody in this room. It says, The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. The Lord's gathering the outcasts of Israel. But he said, No, there's others too. I'm not an Israelite, and I'm not a Jew, and so I'm glad there was others, because that's me, and that's probably you. There's others. It's an amazing way, uh, many, many years after the Lord spoke through the prophet Isaiah, that we see, we see the promise, particularly to the eunuch, coming true. Do you, you remember the place where you've heard about the eunuch in the Bible? You remember the other eunuch that's mentioned in the Bible? Not the one here in Isaiah, but, but in Acts. Isn't it Acts 8? He's an Ethiopian. And, and he's riding in a chariot. Probably doesn't belong to him because slaves don't own chariots, The Lord directs Philip to him. And he's reading something. You remember what he's reading? <laughs> he's reading from the scroll of the book of the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asks him, he says, do you know what you're reading? Do you understand it? And he, he says, well, how could I unless somebody explains it to me? And the Bible says Philip explained it to him. And he told him about Jesus. Now, obviously, he believed because as they kept going along the path, they came to some water, and, and the Ethiopian said, Well, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And the Bible says Philip baptized him. That mark of being in the family to be baptized. Isn't that beautiful? Another one the Lord wanted to welcome in. And there may be someone here this morning the Lord wants to welcome in. Because the fact is, if, if you've not trusted Jesus the Savior, if you've not turned from your sin and turned to Him, if you've not given your life to the one who gave his life for you if you've not confessed him as Lord. He wants you to. 
He wants to welcome you in. He wants you to be a part of his family. And today, if you'd put your trust in Jesus, repenting of your sin, having faith in the Savior, you'd be welcomed in. There's still plenty out there. And that's why we're here. Maybe the Lord's leading you to be a part of this church. It's trying to share the gospel with people who are still out there. Still a lot of work to be done in this community and beyond. I, I, I know the church would welcome you to come serve with them. Maybe there are other ways that God is dealing with you. What He wants to use you for in the work of reaching those out there. We're going to have a time of invitation. And, and if the Lord's speaking to you today, I would encourage you to respond. Let me invite you to stand. Brother Shane's going to be here at the front. If you're ready to give your life to Christ, you come, let us celebrate it with you. Maybe you have questions. What does that mean? What does it take? Shane can answer those questions. Come. Other ways God is speaking to you. Joining the church, bearing that mark. You've never been baptized as a believer. You want to be baptized. You need to be baptized. It's that mark that I belong to the family. You come as we sing. Trust and obey.